Good evening and welcome to Mining the Riches of the Parsha. I am so glad to see you. I have missed you over the last three weeks and it is wonderful. It feels great for me to be back. I'm grateful to every one of you for joining tonight to be able to study together. What I'd like to share tonight is partially based on a lecture by Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, which in turn is based on a lecture by the Rav, Rav Yosef Salvechik, a blessed memory. So there's a man and he refuses to move out of his mother's house because he's in love with his mom, which is kind of sweet. And he's also in love with his cat. He doesn't trust anyone else to care for his cat. After 15 years of never leaving the house, his friends tell him he needs a break. He needs to go on vacation. He needs some fresh air, a change of scenery to get out of the house at least. But he refuses. He refuses until his brother comes and promises him, I will stay at home with mom. I will take care of mom. I will take care of your cat. You need to get out for a while. Go away somewhere. I'll take care of everything. Finally, he agrees. He books a ticket to the Caribbean. He reserves a hotel room. And he's looking forward to relaxing as he has not done for so many years. He gets to the island. He gets to his room. He has a beautiful view. He's just starting to relax in his hotel room and the phone rings. The phone rings. He picks it up. It's his brother. His brother says, Yiskadal the Yiskadash, the cat died. I'm sorry to tell you, you have to sit shiver for your cat. The cat went up to the roof, came to the edge, fell off the edge, and the cat died. The cat is now Zichrona Lavracha. May the cat's memory be a blessing. I'm sorry. The man is devastated. And for 20 minutes, he's crying and sobbing and weeping that his cat died. After he calms down, he tells his brother, you know, you should really learn how to deliver bad news with some sensitivity. I mean, you know how attached to the cat I am? You know what it means to me? How could you just give me that news? You call on the phone and say, yes, got obvious, got ash, your cat died. It's insensitive. The brother says to him, so what should I have said? What would have been more sensitive? So he says, well, first you should have called me and you should say, the cat is up on the roof. And then the next day you can call and you can say, the cat is going close to the edge. I'm a little bit worried. And then the next day you can say, the cat fell off the roof and Nebuchadnezzar died. But this way you would have given me a few days to prepare to receive this devastating news. So the brother apologizes. He promises to be more sensitive. He promises to be better in the future. 
please forgive me. And he forgives his brother. And then he says to his brother, so how is mom doing? And his brother says, mom is on the roof. You can try to explain to someone how to be more sensitive. But sometimes they just don't get it. We just don't get it. We make mistakes and then we repeat them. Even when we know that it's wrong, we keep doing it. But we have to keep trying to be better. We have to keep trying. No matter how many times we've made mistakes, we have to keep trying. I present this tonight as an overture to the upcoming High Holidays. Hopefully next week, we will discuss Rosh Hashanah, the week after that, Yom Kippur, the week after that, Sukkos. But tonight, I want to present to you the unifying theme, the overarching principle on which every detail of the High Holidays rests. So the Talmud is the major intellectual work of Judaism. The Talmud records the ideas, the discussions, and the lives of hundreds of scholars over a period of several hundred years, about 2,000 years ago. In the entire Talmud, 72 volumes, we know of only one scholar who left the faith, whose belief in God was destroyed, and who discarded a life of Torah observance. And that is Elisha ben Avuya. Elisha ben Avuya is known to us even today as Acher. We call him Acher. Acher means the alien, the other, the outsider. He was one of the greatest, most brilliant teachers, a colleague of Rabbi Akiva. He lived in the century after the destruction of the Second Temple. When he left the faith, of course, his students left him. Except for one, the great Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir remained with his teacher, Acher, continuing to learn Torah from him, claiming, I eat the fruit and discard the peel. The Talmud tells the following amazing story. The Talmud tells how one day it was Shabbos and Elisha was riding on his horse, even though this is rabbinically prohibited, but Elisha had rejected all Jewish constraints on his behavior. So he was riding on his horse. And Rabbi Meir was walking alongside because Elisha was teaching a Torah lecture and Rabbi Meir was learning Torah from him. I mean, imagine this scene. 
the greatest, most pious rabbi that you know is driving down the street on Shabbos. And one of his devoted congregants is walking alongside listening to this rabbi's eloquent sermon. It's just surreal. At some point, Alicia stops his horse and he says, Mayor Chazorbach, stop, Mayor. Go home. Go back. Because while I was riding, violating Shabbos, I was counting the steps that we had taken, keeping track of how far we have gone. And he said, Ad kan tchum Shabbos. This is the limit on how far outside the city you're allowed to walk on Shabbos. Inside a city, we're allowed to walk on Shabbos as far as we want. But if we leave the city, we can only walk 2,000 amos, which is about one kilometer beyond the edge of the city. So Acher was telling his student, Rabbi Meir, for me, it doesn't matter because I'm riding a horse. I couldn't care less. But for you, Rabbi Meir, this is as far as you can go. Please hear the ironic love that Acher had for his student. Though he still did not believe, did not practice, he respected his student, Rabbi Meir, and provided the information Rabbi Meir needed to keep Shabbos, even though he himself no longer valued it. Incredible. Rabbi Meir said to him, Af Chazorbach, you should also come back. You should also come home. You should also come back because you should also keep Shabbos. But deeper, Chazarbach, you can still come back into the fold. You can return to a Jewish religious lifestyle. You can return to your previous prestige and accomplishment. Come back with me. And here also the devotion Rabbi Meir had for his teacher. Even if he had gone astray. Even if everyone else had deserted him, Rabbi Meir still found so much wisdom he could receive and was still willing to stay in this weird relationship of learning from a teacher who no longer believed what he taught, while Rabbi Meir did. But Acher says, I can't return. Acher says, I heard a baskol, a spiritual voice from heaven. And the words of the baskol were, shuvu banim shovabim, return children who have gone astray, return to God. Chutz mi Acher, except for Acher. Everyone can return to God, except for Acher. Acher is not welcome back. Alicia tells Rabbi Meir, God has rejected me. I can't return. I can't repent. And in fact, Acher, Alicia Benavuya, 
died an Apicurus, a heretic. That's the story in the Talmud. But the question is obvious. What about the fundamental principle expressed by the Rambam Maimonides? Nothing can stand in the way of repentance. The Rambam writes, even if one sinned their entire life, no matter how evil, no matter how heinous, a person can change. A person can improve. A person can write a new future for themselves. How can it be that Acher can't come back, that Acher can't repent? There's no such thing. It's a very difficult question. So let's begin to understand this by posing what is perhaps the most fundamental existential question we face. And the most pressing question we must face tonight as the high holiday season arrives. And that question is, who am I? Who are you? In the town of Helm, there was a man who was a procrastinator. He could never leave his house on time because he was always late looking for his shoes, his socks, his keys. He would leave it to the last minute and then he couldn't find what he needed. And he was always two hours late leaving his house. After suffering with this for years, he came to his rabbi and he said, Rabbi, what should I do? The rabbi told him tonight, when you're laying in bed, make a list of everything you will need in the morning and next to the item you need, write down where it's located. Tonight, while you're in bed, while you're thinking about it. So in the morning, you'll follow the list, you'll find everything, and you'll be able to leave your house on time. The man does this. At night, he makes his list. And in the morning, he follows his list. And in five minutes, he finds every item he needs until he gets to the last item. The last item that he needs before he leaves his house is I. And his list says, I am in bed. So he goes to his bed searching for himself. And naturally, he's not there. He looks under the bed. He looks behind the bed. He looks beside the bed. He can't find himself anywhere. Finally, after three hours, he leaves in a panic. He goes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, why did you mislead me? What did you do to me? Usually it takes me two hours to leave my house. Today, by following your advice, it took me three hours and I still didn't find the last autumn item on my list. I can't find where I am. Okay, so that's Helm. But the truth is, this question plagues every one of us. Where am I? Who am I? The Rav, Rav Yosef Soloveitchik, in an address in 1962, pointed out, 
please listen carefully. The voice from heaven did not say, Shuvu banim shovivim, return children who have gone astray, return to God, chut me Elisha, except for Elisha. But rather, the voice said, Shuvu banim shovivim, chut me acher, except for acher. And the distinction, says the Rav, is profound. Because the point of the message from heaven to Elisha was, you are a Jew. You are an in indispensable member of my people, God says. You are as pure and holy as anyone. But for some reason, one day, this alien being, this Acher, the other, the outsider, penetrated into your psyche. And you looked in the mirror and you saw yourself as a stranger. You saw yourself as an outsider. And you looked at people, your colleagues and your students, and you said to yourself, I don't belong here anymore. So there was a voice from heaven which said to you, Shuvu banim shovavim, return my child. It was the voice of a loving parent whose love is unconditional, whose love cannot be damaged or diminished Chutz me acher, leave acher outside. Your whole life you were a Jew devoted to God and his Torah. And then you looked at yourself as someone else. Leave acher behind. Leave acher outside and come in. Come back. You are my child, God says. You are not acher. But acher did not hear it that way. So often, what we say to someone, especially someone we love, is not what they hear. Acher did not hear what the voice actually said, chutz me acher, ex except for acher. He heard, chutz me Elisha ben Avuya. Except for Elisha, he heard it directed at him. The tragedy was he could not separate his essential self from the persona he came to see himself as. So when the voice says, chutz me acher, what Elisha heard was, you are bad. You are unworthy. You are unwelcome. You cannot return. And acher tells Rabbi Meir, I'm not wanted. I can't go back with you. I can't go home. This is true for so many of us. We see ourselves as the accumulation of our actions. We see ourselves as doomed to follow the path on which we now find ourselves. And if we have chosen unwisely, mistakenly, there is no exit off that path now. But to every one of us, there is a baskol, the same voice from heaven, which says to us, Shuvu banim shovim chutz mi acher. God says to us, at all times, but especially now, you are my beloved child. 
always, unconditionally, and you have it within you to exit any path, to turn any corner, to leave behind whatever you come to realize is holding you back, holding you down. And every one of us is a different kind of acher. I don't speak nicely. I don't pray. I'm not honest. I don't share what I have. I don't keep Shabbos or kosher. Or I don't do it properly. Or I don't do it with feeling and awareness and spirituality. I don't study Torah. I'm incapable of having a loving relationship. I'm incapable of coming closer to God. I'm incapable of being authentic. I'm incapable of succeeding. I'm not good. I'm not pure. That's who I am. That's how I see myself. And I can't change. We judge ourselves more harshly than anyone else judges us. And to every one of us, there is a voice from heaven. Chutz me'acher. Yes, yes, you can leave that outside. You can leave that in your past. You have that potential. And God says, if you just try, I, God, I will help you. And you can start by differentiating between your actions and thoughts and your essential I. What you did is not who you are. As the author of Tanya puts it, I am the sky and my thoughts are the clouds. The clouds pass, but the sky remains. This is the underlying existential truth of life the underlying theme of the entire high holiday season. And this truth is in two parts. The first part is the challenge to see a new path where no exit is at first glance visible. I can be a good spouse. I can be a good parent or child or friend. I can be a close partner with God. I can leave any part of my actions outside. It's never too late. It's widely known that the fastest land mammal is the cheetah. A cheetah can run as fast as 60 miles per hour. That's about 96 kilometers per hour. But it turns out that speed is not the cheetah's greatest skill. According to a paper published in Nature by Dr. Alan Wilson, the cheetah's greatest skill in hunting its prey is its ability to turn abruptly, to change directions quickly. We have that skill, every one of us. Maybe not in running, but in our moral lives, in our spiritual lives to change direction abruptly, to decide to take a new path. Maya Angelou wrote, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. We have that ability. We have that potential, every one of us, at 
every point in our lives. That's the first part. And the second part is, until that time, and even if that time never comes, that is not my essence. That is not who I am. I am a child of God. And God loves me unconditionally. There is nothing I can do. There is no load to which I can descend for God to say you're discarded. You are unwelcome. This is the challenge to see the difference between I made a mistake, which we openly say and repeat leading up to Yom Kippur, and I am a mistake, which is false, which is the tragedy of Acher which is never true. So this is the overture. This is the foundation. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, with all their details, provide the inspiration and the opportunities to reach this goal. Late one night, there was a frantic knocking at the rabbi's door. He opens to see a married couple. It's kind of late. Could it wait until the morning? No, Rabbi, this is an emergency. We have to talk to you right now. What's the emergency? We had a baby boy. Tomorrow is the bris. Mazel tov. But we can't agree on the name to give our son. This is a shalom bias emergency. Rabbi says, yes, that is indeed a very urgent problem. Come on in. He turns to the wife and he says, tell me, what name do you want to give your son? And she says, Moshe. And then he turns to the husband and he says, what name do you want to give to your son? And he says, Moshe. So the rabbi says, very well. His name will be Moshe. What's the problem? The husband says, I want to name him Moshe after my father of blessed memory. He recently passed away. There's no one else who might have a child to name after him. I want to name him after my father. The wife says, never. My father-in-law was a drunk. He was a thief. He was a liar. He was a horrible person. I could not live with myself if my son were named for him. I want my son to be named Moshe, named after my father, Moshe. My father was a tzaddik. He was righteous. He was kind. He was good and pious. That is who my son should be named after. The rabbi says, this is a very, very difficult problem. I need to think this over. Please excuse me for a while. I'm going to go into my study. I'm going to consult my books. I'm going to think about it. I'll be out in a while. Make yourself comfortable. Quarter of an hour later, the rabbi returns and he says, here is my decision. The boy will be named Moshe. And the wife and the husband say together, and named after whom? And the rabbi says, we will wait and see. If he grows up to be good, 
it will be after the wife's father, Moshe. And if he grows up in a different way, it will be after the husband's father, Moshe. We will wait and see. God is waiting for every one of us to see how we will turn out. And as long as we are breathing, our story is not complete and God is waiting. We can change. We can write a new future. And even if we don't, we will still be Moshe, God's beloved child. My friends, I want to wish you a great evening and a wonderful Shabbos leading up to a fantastic high holiday season. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.